Hey everybody, here we are, another episode of Basement Sports Podcast. Duty and Wayne are joining us, hoping Scott will be able to join us a little bit later on. If not, we'll carry on. Duty, how's it going? What's up, my bitches? <laughs> Every, everybody's got their beverage ready to go. Wayne Wagoner, can you hear us? I can. All right. All right. Got a got another packed show talking about sports as we can dig up since there's no sports or not a lot of sports going on. So the big hubbub over the weekend was the uh, the golf match, the skins game. Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson. Did anybody watch it? Guys, I'll start with you, Wayne. Did you watch it? Parts of it. Parts I didn't watch the whole thing. Okay. Bits and pieces, you know. Okay. What did you think? Was it fun to watch? It was. What I liked about it is I thought that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, as good as athletes they are, and still relatively young, um, I, I thought that'd be a little better. They hit some shots that looked like some of mine, which made me feel good. Um, but, you know, it was fun. I, they seemed like they all got along and they had a good time. I think Peyton Manning's hilarious. Mm. Um, but, no, it was, it, was, it was entertaining. I'll say that. Right, right. Duty, did you watch it? I watched every hole. There was nothing else on. It was... I think it was just too hot. It wasn't rainy here. It was hot that day. Yeah. Uh, I sat in the air conditioning and watched every shot. Uh, the, the one takeaway I had, honestly, was what a bunch of uppity pricks the USGA and PGA are. There's no reason guys can't wear shorts when you're golfing, and there's no reason you can't let them drive a golf cart on a PGA event. Who cares if they walk the hole or they get to their ball quicker? I don't understand it. Uh, it just shows me uh, one thing I liked about it was kind of like Wayne said, these guys are athletes in the top of their sport. And they were nervous as all hell when they had to, every shot they took was being watched by people on TV. Uh, I'm sure I'd have had a pucker up or two uh, knowing that everybody in the world watching this match is going to watch me hit one 40 yards into the woods. It didn't seem to bother Brady, though, because he did it consistently. <laughs> I think I could beat Brady half the time, every 50% of the time we played. And he's no way he's an eight handicap unless it's on a putt-putt court. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know what? One thing I would disagree with, Duty, I, in their head, they might have known that everybody was watching, but I don't think that was as real. They're used to playing in front of huge crowd to me i'm more nervous some of the worst shots i hit is when someone lets me play through and yeah, yeah they rush watching me right yeah <laughs> and then i get the ball in the woods but um yeah i just it just you know shows what a difficult game golf really is and and let's not forget that wasn't a punch and judy course right that's a that's a gorgeous difficult course to play yeah, it was a, a lot nicer looking than the course that was on the weekend before with Ricky Fowler and Dustin Johnson. That course looked like a cow pasture. I like didn't even I didn't yeah. even mean that. Uh, it just it wasn't, you know, they they I, Wayne and Wayne, you and I talked about this like they raved yeah. about that course. But I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this place is in it looks in bad shape. But then again, like you're watching the. British Open at St. Andrews, it looks like a brown. cow pasture, you know. <laughs> just they, they It's a pasture and it's brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it looks like people had their led their sheep through there to clean it up. Yeah. Uh, before the <laughs> tournament started. Let your sheep graze for about a week. Yeah, but like well, you're 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 willing to wait duty to go over there and play on it. I have no choice, man. <laughs> I was postponed by the Royal and Ancient and St. Andrews calls the shots for all golf courses over there in Scotland. So they, whatever they say, all the other courses abide by. Yeah. Wow. So I have been postponed until August 
of 2021. That'll be a hell of a trip. That's that's on my it's on my bucket they, list. They kept our deposit money, and they're going to honor that money and put it towards next year's trip. So we didn't lose any money. There you go. Well, good. We'll still be podcasting. Maybe we can get you to call in from Scotland. I doubt it. I'll time. be hammered. <laughs> well, that'll make it better. Call from a pub. Yeah, that'd be, be awesome. Call from one of the. Yeah, I can get. That's right. I can give you the show. I can show the camera around. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> I don't know what the time difference is in six, Scotland. Six hours. There's six hours ahead of us. Oh yeah, it'd be midnight. Yeah, we'll do. We'll call you at midnight. <laughs> That'll be entertaining as hell. It's gonna be loud. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, those pubs close early though, don't they? I have no they're, idea. They're I've never been there. Close like seven o'clock or. Don't they? Not Am I the, wrong about that? Uh, well, I've only been to London. I know they don't close that early in London. Yeah, I have no idea, okay. Wing. Okay. I can't imagine it, they would. But then again, people I, are paying. I was standing there on the balcony of my hotel on a weekday, and uh, they were the pubs were lined up with people drinking at noon. You know, so they were. They were they weren't having lunch martinis. They were having, I mean, uh, martini lunches. They were having stout lunches. They were, yeah, that's what, and that's about what time we'll be done golfing. Yep. <laughs> well, I think the biggest highlight was Tom Brady splitting his pants. That's what everybody talked about. Was <laughs> Brady splitting his pants? Because, you know, it's kind of funny. Because he always seems like Mr. Perfect and people hate him for that, you know, and he's won all these Super Bowls. And then he's just like us schlubbing around a golf course. <laughs> he bends over and splits his pants. Although my question was, like, he had a spare pair of pants. Do you guys carry a spare pair of pants in your golf bags and you go out golfing? Wayne, do you have a spare pair of pants? No, I would have never given that a thought about the <laughs> Furthest I go is a hat and a windbreaker. Yeah. Are you going to think yeah, about I, it now? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, duty, go ahead. I keep a pair of rain pants in my bag. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But once they're on, baby, there ain't nothing left. <laughs> I don't have a backup. And I can tell you, I've split rain pants before, just like he did. <laughs> they Getting in and out of a car, bending down to get your ball out of the hole, those things are been meant to keep you dry. They're not they're not like supposed to last a long time. They're not built to hold your ass in, huh? No. <laughs> I've split them several times. <laughs> I I I like I do carry a pair of rain pants. Like if it's raining, I'll throw like a pair of rain pants and a rain jacket in if there's a threat, but I don't carry a spare pair of pants, but I'm sure even if he didn't have a pair there was probably some uppity bastard on the courts, you know, yelling at one of the the minimum wage people say, go to the clubhouse and get Mr. Brady a new pair of pants and do not put it on your expense report. You will pay for Mr. Brady's pants. You know, I, I could see shit like that happening. I used to. Yeah, get, I don't know. I don't know. To duty's point, there might be some PGA rule that you can't change <laughs> the pants that you started the round with maybe that's true like, <laughs> you just gotta wear them split and like expose yourself yeah. to the world yeah i don't know i i can tell you right now i shit my pants golfing one time about 106 <laughs> degrees i had six holes i had six holes to play and i was galded and praying <laughs> for medicated gold bond powder to be in the cart girl's cart when she came around because coming up 18, I was uh, I was quite chafed, quite painful. So she's I she she's offered you beer. She's offered you beers and you want gold bond powder. I wanted powder. <laughs> I wanted a dry towel, some powder, and some ice cream to sit in. Oh my god, that would have been that's that's a story. There, that's a right. Story. Where did we golf? Zip Bahamas, Bermuda? Where the hell were we when it was 110 degrees? That was Bermuda. We took a warm up swing and we were both drenched. Uh, that was Bermuda. Why? 
Oh, no, it was Bermuda. It was Bermuda. Because oh remember, the power outage had already happened. So, yeah. like, well, what the hell else are we going to do? So, you and I go out in the middle of the afternoon. It's already 100 degrees to go play golf. And it was only a nine-hole course, remember? It was like a, it was a small executive nine-hole course. What I remember is taking a warm-up swing uh, and being drenched. Oh, my God, was it hot. It was so hot. I'm like, I, I'm like, like, we go through two holes. I look at you, and I'm like, why? Are we not like with our significant others drinking. sitting by the pool drinking right now? Like that was a really bad call. It was. <laughs> well, it was, you know, I, as far as that event was concerned, I'm glad it's back. You know, I'm glad there was some sports to watch and it was entertaining. And you're right, Wayne, like uh, Peyton Manning's hilarious. He's really funny. Like he just, and he has a way, like, even though he only has two Super Bowl wins and the amount of times that Brady beat him, like, he really can, like, jab at Brady. Like, he's good at it. He's really good he's at got, it. Yeah. He's got a good delivery. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> he'd be good. He'd be really good on uh, being a commentator on Monday Night Football. They're still looking for somebody. I think he, didn't I, they offer it to him? I don't know if they did. They offered it to him. I don't. I yeah, don't he said no. Okay. Okay. He, yeah. He'd be turned great. it down. He'd be great. You know the one thing that match reinforced to me: why the hell has golf been put on a shelf all this time? Thank you. It has never stopped. That's one sport that you could participate in and even produce like they did. They could have done this two months ago with golf. They could have had all kind of cool things. I remember as a kid, the Shell Wonderful World of Golf, mm -hmm. where they would get a match play, two guys, and go over to different courses all around the world. It was before they had tons of technology on the, on the uh, tour. And it was entertaining. Right. There's no reason why they waited this long to put golf on TV. I'm sorry. Well, and you, the other thing too is they allowed fishing, but not golf, which I didn't understand. Right. And the other right. thing I wanted to say about that match is Justin Thomas was phenomenal. Or was he the guy going? Uh, who was the guy doing the announcement or interviewing? Was it Justin I Thomas? Think it was, I think it was. Yeah. Uh -huh. There, he was fantastic as well. Like he knew all the golfers. He was telling stories about when him and Tiger, or how he called him, T-Dub, were playing in a tournament against, uh, you know, in Australia in a similar type of thing. Um, it was just, it shows you that people that whisper from a tower when they're four greens away, and guys that get up there and walk the fairway, and you can't wear shorts in 100 degrees, is ridiculous. Golf is a sport where you can respect the rules. You can also have fun. But, but while you're walking to your ball, there's no reason you can't be interviewed or laugh about a bad shot once in a while. I, do you well, know I wonder, play? Go ahead, Wayne. I wonder if they had to get a waiver to have a, have a group of announcers, none of which had a British accent. I don't know how they got away <laughs> with that. Well, Ian Finch was there, I think, because uh, he kept he? Justin Thomas. He's Australian, I think. Okay. Okay. I, Close do, enough. Do you remember that kid a number of years ago? This was a while ago. Um, he had some kind of um, leg circulation issue in his leg. Casey Martin. Casey Martin. Yeah, Casey yeah. Martin. And yeah. didn't, he, yeah. didn't he have to sue the PGA to be allowed to – to ride in a cart like that wasn't it like a big deal i was trying to remember what yeah he he won the the privilege to take a cart due to his leg right right it, it, as soon as he did he flamed out he was he just didn't he didn't last right sure sure but here was a Look, kid with, I, a, with why a medical can't two healthy people drive down in a golf cart you get to your ball quicker yeah, but you lose the drama of walking up the 18. You yeah, know, what, well, the okay, then don't do it on 18 for the champion. <laughs> it's not like you have to make a roll and it's the same on every hole. Yeah. You know, I want to see four guys bomb one in the fairway, and then I want to see him interview the guy that hit it the least amount of yards. What? So, you know, what's the deal? You, you can't hit it as far as these guys? 
I would watch that as they're driving to the ball. How many beer? Here's my question. How many beers and beer holders would be in John Daly's cart? That'd be my question. That's what would be More fun. Than club. <laughs> he only hits drivers and wedges. Right. Right. <laughs> if you guys remember, he also petitioned to use a cart. Oh, that's yep. right. He did. For health reasons. He was turned down. I guess Casey Martin had a circulatory problem. Right. That there was really no, um, it wasn't like a temporary injury. No. But Daly also wanted to use a cart in one of the tournaments and was turned down. Well, what was his excuse? Just didn't want to. I, I think he developed diabetes from being overweight in right. his life. He couldn't so carry all his, he couldn't carry all his cigarettes in his pocket. <laughs> Yeah, but they turned the golf cart, put the cart and the smokes in the twelve pack of beer. I remember when he lost some weight at one time early on. He couldn't hit the ball as far, so he just gained it back. Just gained it back. <laughs> I remember when he quit drinking and quit smoking, and he came back and he missed a cut about three times. He said, "I'm going back to hitting the ball, smoking, and drinking." Yeah, he got the DTs. <laughs> so. Let's uh, let's change gears a little bit. So it looks like the NHL is closer to restarting. And um, Gary Bettman uh, spoke to the press, I think it was yesterday. So they have these plans to put a tournament together. They haven't really determined, like, what cities are going to host this. There's going to be a limited number of cities. Uh, but they even talked about things like going into the NHL draft and somehow on – Somehow on God's green earth, the Penguins could actually end up with the number one overall pick with how they're figuring this all out. But don't ask me to do it for you. Um, but it looks like the NHL is a hell of a lot closer to having some kind of season or closure to their season than even Major League Baseball is to actually having any kind of season. So let's start out with with the NHL. It, my, my thought is this might be a golden opportunity for the NHL if they can pull it off. And look, I got every confidence in the world that Gary Bettman could find a way to screw this up um, and the administrators of the NHL. But like if, if the NHL is the first one back and you're basically diving into the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is some of the most exciting sports on on television I'll start with you, Wayne. Like, what would that mean to the league, or what kind of an impact would that have if the NHL was kind of like first out of the gate and got on there? Well, we talked about this last week. It's a golden opportunity, and I think the culture of hockey players is what's driving this. They they want to play, and they're not going to nitpick over things and get too greedy. And they have a golden opportunity, especially for uh, markets that have never really embraced the NHL. Um, this could really turn things around and, and open doors for them. And I hope it does. I mean, it, it's just a, a great sport. The players in it um, are solid citizens. Uh, I'm rooting for them. And I think they have an opportunity. And I hope um, that the public responds and they take advantage of it. Yeah. Duty? Well, there's, going to, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad of being the first sport back. Obviously, if you're the first one back, I mean, look how many people watch that freaking golf match because they're they're starving for sport. So that's going to be doing well. I, I don't agree. I don't like 24 of the 30 teams in the league making the tournament. I don't I don't understand that. Other than it's a money grab, they want more money coming in from more cities. I, I get all that, but I like it if they just kept it the way it was. You take the standings on the last day of the season. That's the way the season ended. You do the playoffs like you normally would. I don't want a team. I don't want the whole freaking league in the playoffs. And right now they're putting everybody in but six teams. And I think it's ridiculous. Well, but the, the Montreal Canadiens are going to get in. Yeah, the Montreal Canadiens are going to get in. And they're like 10 points out. Yeah. You know. But again, it's Montreal. It's one sure. of the first six franchises in hockey. And... They're actually playing. They're actually a young, really fast team. Right. 
when you get these teams, Montreal's going to play with these young, fast kids, and they're going to play against veterans that have not played in months. I wouldn't want to play a young team like the Flyers or the Montreal's or these fast teams that got a break. They're in when they didn't think they would be, and then all of a sudden, you got to play these guys and you don't have your legs yet. Right. I, um, I'll be curious to see who ends up being the hub cities, you know, who, who ends up getting the, the, um, the slots and are going to host some of these games. I, Pittsburgh apparently is in the conversation, which, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's not like it's going to be a boom for the city because there's not going to be any fans, you know, it's good. You're, you're playing in an empty arena. So, but uh, it would still generate a certain amount of buzz and, you know, it'd be, it'd be good for the city if it was like, if it was one of the hosts, because, you know, it's Pittsburgh and it's really, really grown as a hockey town, not just, you know, mostly because of the success of the Penguins. There's a lot of youth hockey that goes on in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, who's to who's to say that the restaurants won't be open by then and all the teams can go out and eat yeah well people could go out and eat watch the games on television if they want if the restaurants are open um bring some money you know and i I, this goes into a larger point about about pittsburgh and the surrounding area i mean look at the success of hockey ever since you know mario came around and all the things that mario has done and making a successful franchise even looking at the the schools like penn state has a tremendous hockey program now Wayne you, you've been to several Penn State hockey games and and what yeah. that, what that program has become uh Robert started as a club team yeah yeah start out as a club team Robert Morris has a has a great hockey program both men's and women's hockey um uh, Pitt Pitt's hockey team is moving from club level to I forget what level of NCAA hockey they are but they're moving up. Um, you know, it's, it's Pittsburgh has really, really grown as a hockey town. And I'm hoping that they're able to take advantage of this and make hop, hockey a more popular sport all around. Because you're going to have a bunch of sports-starved fans turning on the Stanley Cup playoffs, maybe for the first time, and really having an opportunity to grow your fan base. I was looking at some odds, some Vegas odds um, earlier today uh, in regards to the hockey playoffs if they happen um, as they're suspecting this is going to happen. And what the, the, the Penguins are actually kind of a middling, middling team as far as the odds were concerned. They were like almost in the middle. Um, and teams that were, uh, that were above them as far as odds to win the Stanley cup were the Philadelphia Flyers had better odds to win the Stanley cup than the Penguins. The, um, the Boston, I don't understand. I didn't understand that one either. The, the Boston Bruins were, um, oh, I get that. Were, they just yeah. choked you. yeah. The, the Bruins, the Bruins were above the, uh, of the, the, uh, the Penguins. Um, boy, Philadelphia though was significantly more favored to win the Stanley Cup than the Penguins were, and this is in Vegas. And this was, you know, a lot of people. This wasn't just like a local Pittsburgh post. This was a national post, and people were, a lot of people nationwide were saying, "Boy, I'd put money on the Penguins for those odds." You know, especially because, you know, they're going to have Jake Gensel back. Um, by the time these start. So um, they're going to be as healthy as they've been all year. Yeah. So duty, what would your, would you, would you put the penguins higher as like maybe one of the top four or five teams as far as I do opportunity to win the cup? I think, I think you hit it right on the head. They're going to be healthy as healthy as they've been all year. They've had more injuries than any club, probably in the history of hockey in that short a time span. And they're still in position of where they're at, which is a tribute to Sid and some of the guys that have really stepped it up. You know my feelings on uh, the Russian. 
I would have traded him three years ago. I think he's a pain in the ass and always he makes stupid penalties. And I don't think he's worth having on the team. I would have traded him. And I told you this three years ago, back when you could have got something for him. But having said that, he carried that team this year when, when they were injured. Right. He did a really, really nice job of keep stick, keeping them in it. And I think they should be ahead of Philadelphia. And I think Philly's up there for one reason. And it's the reason I said earlier, young, fast, young, you know, fresh legs coming off, not playing. Um, I don't agree with that. I think Pittsburgh has a shot to win it all. Wayne, what do, Wayne, you, think? what do you think? You know, it's interesting about that. I think the whole problem with Malkin is mental. Um, if you look at his record, he is by far a better player when Crosby's injured. He's yep. won the scoring title. I think he can't play second fiddle to Crosby. Um, he is just an incredibly different player when Crosby's out. That being said, the Penguins actually had a better record when the Stars were injured this year. Yep. You would have thought that when they came back that it would be, be the reverse, but it wasn't. Um, and I, I think sometimes – what that does is they depend too much on the stars and the rest of the team doesn't play at the level of intensity that they needed to. And when the stars were out, they had to, and they, they had to contribute. Um, it'll be interesting to see. The other thing I think the Penguins really have missed this year was the power play. Their power play has been terrible. They really missed Kessel on the power play. And unless they get that right, it's going to be tough for them in, in the, um, playoffs because you have to capitalize on special teams um, well and again Gensel being out was part of that power play problem too sure good point yeah 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 uh, Jake Gensel being back would be huge for them um, it looks like the Penguins would actually draw the Canadians in the first round based on how yeah that's what I was saying that's yeah. why I brought them up right. that's a team I don't want to play unless unless I have a few games under my belt Right. Yeah. Well, the bigger issue isn't the youth of Montreal. It's Carey Price. Yeah, I mean that guy could shut you out three games in a row. Right. It happened a few years ago. Um, a hot goalie when they played Montreal about five or six years ago. The Penguins, I think, they scored one or two goals in a whole series. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last year that they played at the Civic Arena. Yeah, and they they lost that they lost the last game they lost game seven at home, uh, to Montreal. They I'm had, talking about they got swept. They got swept. Yeah, but was it by? I don't think they got swept by Montreal. They got swept by. It, no, they, they did. Greg. They got swept. Yeah, by, I think they did, Greg. Did they? Boy, I'm gonna I have to look. So. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look back. I know they got swept by Boston, in the. Um, in the we know they got finals. swept by the Islanders. They got swept by the Islanders last year. I'm gonna have to look back. I was at two of those freaking games. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's go let's go to the other side of the coin. So let's say the Major League Baseball can't get their shit together, which it's increasingly looking like that might be the case. Um, there are a lot of reports going on that they are worlds apart. As far as um, coming to any kind of agreement, and I, I, you know, I've I've been listening to some sports talk and reading some articles about remembering how damaged the Major League Baseball brand was coming out of the strike year a number of years ago. Wayne Wagner, what if if there's no baseball season this year and it ends up being a fight over money between millionaires and billionaires? Does Major League Baseball recover from this? I don't know. They won't in Pittsburgh. I mean, the apathy is really set in in this town. Um, I don't miss it. I used to really look forward to baseball and spring training. I don't miss it. I think it will have an effect. I think what the players are kind of doing is trying to shorten the season and want to get to pay the same amount of money. But I heard yesterday their latest proposal is almost a socialistic approach where they're going to take more money from the higher paid baseball players mm-hmm. and the guys that make less money are going to be able to keep a higher percentage. It's almost like what uh, some of the politicians want to do with our taxes. Um, 
and and they're not they're going to hold out. These players aren't going to put up with that, especially the stars that um, that bring the people in. They're going to try to tell them to take the less percentage of the of their salary. Um, it could hurt them for a while. It was it's already um, been diminished. Right. Um, and this this could really really have an effect on baseball. Do do you agree? Yeah, I do. I- I'm one of those guys that buys MLB extra innings package every year so I can get every game on TV every night. And I've missed baseball horribly for the first two, three weeks when you have tickets to opening day and then that gets canceled, blah, blah, blah. I I don't care if I ever watch another baseball game in Pittsburgh, but um, the fact that they're going to screw this up when they need fans more than any other sport and they're fighting over how much stars are getting paid versus young kids getting paid. And some stat I heard today was like uh, 20% of the players owe 65% of the salaries. So you get like the, the Garrett Cole contracts, the, the uh, Mike Trout, all those guys. If they hold up, I mean, they could possibly hold out. Who knows? But um, – I think it's going to hurt baseball significantly. I think there's a ton of fans 50 and older that will always watch baseball because that's what we did. That includes me. That's what we did. We fell in love with the sport. I'm going to watch it till the day I die. I want the smell of the grass when I walk in the park. I want to see the dirt come up when they slide. I want to see guys trying to get a triple. Uh, I love that stuff. But I think kids under the age right now where they're struggling, if people 30 years old and under do not care, they'd rather watch uh, the, the Champions League soccer from over in, in Europe. So I think if they do not get this thing figured out and they miss this year because they're, they can't figure out the money, yeah, I do think they're, they're, in a, they're hurting in a big way. I saw a statistic. So based on the proposals that are – that are on the table that they've discussed. Bobby Bonilla this year will get paid more money than all but three Pittsburgh Pirates. Like he'll 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 make more money, and he's been retired for how many years? He gets he gets paid through like two thousand thirty a million it's bucks insane. a year. Insane, like it's that is just crazy, but. He's still getting paid more than a majority per year of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think there's only three Pirates that make over a million. Well, this is a story for another day. If, if baseball. Fallon, Polanco, and someone else. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, it's just, I'm sorry. It's just nuts. And, and you guys know my feelings on nutting in the, the management of this, uh, of this franchise. It, it's pathetic. And I don't know. Again, we could have other conversations about this. I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, I hear arguments about why salary caps won't work in, in baseball. Yeah, I, I I hear arguments about that. And I don't know enough about it in order to, you know, I, I even said I think there at least needs to be maybe not a salary cap, but a salary floor. Like you got to force these owners to spend a certain amount of money because Bob Nutting could actually put a little league team out there. Nobody could stop him. Really? Yeah. The one thing I did hear is that they're thinking about getting rid of getting rid of revenue sharing. And that's why Nutting could put anybody he wants on the field. He still gets money from the Dodgers, the Yankees and all, you know, sometimes all these teams that spend, they go over that, they get the revenue sharing to these teams that won't put up the money to field a team. Yeah. Go ahead, Wayne. But don't forget, the Globe Trotters need the Washington Generals. <laughs> yeah. They need teams to be up on. You know, what's interesting. I wonder, I don't know what the lease arrangement is with Nutting and, and uh, PNC Park. The only way to force him out as an owner is if that lease agreement ends in the reasonable future. For them to charge the shit out of him to use that publicly funded stadium right. would be the only way to get him out. Because you can't argue on principle on his business acumen as far as uh, making money from that franchise. 
I think what changes that whole dynamic is he's playing in a stadium that the taxpayers paid for. So he owes the fans and the taxpayers something for the right to play in that stadium. That's what people miss in this whole thing. He's just about being a businessman and maximizing his profit and his equity in that franchise. But uh, that stadium was built for him, and it's the main reason why people still come. Not because of the product he puts on the field, but the stadium that the taxpayers built for him. And it's astronomical, the value of the Pirates right now versus how much he paid for it, for his show. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why he's not selling. It goes up every year. Well, he also claimed, like, people have asked him in past years if he was ever going to sell. And he's like, no, I plan on giving this to my daughters and letting them run it. Right. After I'm done. Like, oh. Why not? Yeah, that's going to work great. Like, that really got Pirate fans fired up. <laughs> that that anything was going to change, but I'd rather he said he's going to leave it to his golden retriever. <laughs> Just let him make the lineup by picking shit out of a hat with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the thing that the argument about that things could work is you look at like what the Milwaukee Brewers do. Like they they spend. They're trying to make themselves better. They're contenders. They're no bigger of a market than the Pirates are. But they they make it work. So, you know, what's what's the difference, Wayne, between like the Milwaukee's and the Pittsburgh's of the world? Is it is it the owner that the owner's just not willing to spend the money? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it is. Yeah. It's an owner that wants to win and has he has some civic pride and feels that he owes that to the people in Milwaukee. And he's not greedy to get every cent out of there. Um, and absolutely, it's the, the culture and the attitude of the owner. Yeah. Look, Milwaukee spent money on Christian Yelich. Mm -hmm. One player. Signed him for a lot of money. But what they did, as soon as they announced that signing, that stadium has been full ever since. Every home game, that thing is full to the hilt. That's parking, concessions, memorabilia, all that stuff that goes along with a full part with a full stadium. Right. Um, and they signed one guy. Now, yeah, he won the he he won the MVP. He was good. They got him right. Florida got rid of him. Shame on Florida. Pittsburgh's going to be the team that's going to trade Bell to a team. That's going to make that team sell its tickets. They're going to get better. Once they got Christian Yelich, they started signing free agents. Right. And all of a sudden, you don't need nine good baseball players. You need about four or five studs. And then every so often, you get a, one of the other guys to go on a run where he, he has a hot week, where he run, steals some bases, where he plays good defense, where he gets the runners over. Very few teams have nine guys. The Dodgers usually have nine players coming to bat. The Yankees usually have nine guys coming to bat. Um, Pittsburgh's never going to have nine guys, but Pittsburgh could absolutely have four or five. Yeah. And he won't do it because he won't sign guys like Kristen Yellen. Go ahead, Wayne. Greg, out of curiosity, I just looked up the purchase price that he paid for the Pirates and what the franchise was worth in 2019. You guys want to give a guess on those two numbers? I have no idea. Okay. He paid $92 million for the franchise that is now worth $1.9 And that's why he doesn't care. Why would he sell? Yeah. Why would no, because it goes up every year. It goes up every exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. Look. Talk about a return on your investment. Right. $92 million to $1.9 billion and counting. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yep. It'll be over $2 billion after this year. Well, I, I, I just don't think that the, I, I just don't think that pirate fans have anything to look the, the trouble is pirate fans don't have anything to look forward to. Even before the whole coronavirus thing happened, there was no excitement 
even with the new GM, new manager, there was really little to no excitement about. They don't have a major league product. No, no, they don't. Why are you asking a major league city baseball city franchise to go watch a double a baseball team? If I wanted to do that, I'd drive down tuna. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, you know, I, you were talking about Milwaukee being packed. The only reason that you get sellouts at PNC Park is because it's a nicer park than Miller Park. Like I've been to Miller Park. You can. I'm unimpressed. Dump. It's a. It's terrible. A dump. It is a dump. It's terrible. Like the sight lines are awful. Yeah, it's built in the middle of nowhere. There's there's nothing around it. You know, you, if you want to get a beer outside of that place, you got to walk like two miles to find some place to go get a beer. Like, it's not like PNC Park where it's like built up all around it. It's an event. You know, people go there for the atmosphere. But they're not going there for baseball. Because the, the uh, to your point, Wayne, the, the product on the field is horrible. I would disagree, though, Greg. There are people there going for baseball. The Cubs fans, the Dodgers fans, <laughs> the Cardinals fans, fans, the, fans yeah. the Cardinals fans, and the Braves fans. To name a few, yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, go to a game when they're playing the Cubs. Oh, it's crazy. And the, seats, the seats they buy are prime seats along the, the third base line where the, or the first base line where the Cubs dugout is. It's all blue, blue hats. Right. It's like that's again to the analogy of the Washington Generals. People don't care about the Generals; they're coming to see the Globetrotters. Well, and they just. And it's funny because the opposing team's fans always say, what a gorgeous ballpark PNC Park is, you know. And they can't get that quality of seat at home. No. The Cubs fans can't get a seat near the dugout. Right. Same with the Philly fans when they were riding high. These people come, they, Philly fans come for the weekend, as do Cubs fans to see their team up close and personal for a three or four game set. When the Yank the last and time pockets the money. The last time the Yankees were in town for a series a number of years ago, it was three quarters Yankees fans in PNC Park. <clears throat> yeah. It was all uh, remember like like you said, when people from Philly and St. Louis and Cleveland who's close and the Yankees, when they come to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has more to offer once you get here. They come to a great ball game. But they come all weekend. Yep. They're they're down at the Church Brew Works. They're in the Strip District. They're walking around Pittsburgh. They're eating out. They're on Mount Washington. Trust me, I know because I run into them because that's what I'm doing before the game. Are they at Blush? I Not don't anymore. <laughs> Pittsburgh is so nice around it. It is. With restaurants it and is. bars. You people I, come here and like Wayne said, they get to see their Phillies from the of the a row right with their feet resting on the Phillies dugout. Right, right. They can't do that in Philly. Well, it's going to be a while till there are fans back. And I mean, if there is baseball, there's going to be a long time, probably till twenty twenty one, where there's going to be fans in the stands to watch it. Um, well, I I think some fans are actually going to. I think there's going to be some teams that that will start allowing some fans in. Um, and I think they're just going to situate them where they're going to sit them every other row, 10 seats apart, whatever. Like if you want to take your son, you got seats one and two closest person to you is going to be in seat 10 and two rows behind you. Well, for a middle of the week game at PNC park, or, you know, against the, <laughs> uh, against the, the Mar- against the Marlins. That's yeah. a normal crowd, so right. <laughs> they don't have to do anything different. No, <laughs> they and, already have that policy in place. <laughs> it's nothing for the ushers to figure that one out. They're already doing it. No, <laughs> the ushers don't even give a shit anymore. They don't even check tickets. No, you can no. walk right by an usher as long as you give them some of your popcorn. They don't care. Yeah. Um, let's move on to this. So, because. We as, I guess, sports journalists are just as bored as um, sports fans right now. There's been a, 
shit ton of uh, of top 100 lists. And top 100 this, top 100 that, whatever. So Pete Prisco puts out a top 100 NFL players. And there's a, I think there were four Steelers on it. TJ uh, right, too wrong. Yeah, TJ Watt, which I think we would all agree, deserves to be there. All right. Um, after that, you have one of the others that I think they got wrong was Juju. I think after yeah. you know, would we agree? He after last year, he was not a top one hundred player. Uh, they got. Dupree wrong. Bud Dupree was another one. So, Wayne, do you think Bud Dupree after last year was a top 100 NFL player? No, I don't, because I don't think you judge a person as a top 100 over one year. Right. You've got to have a better uh, resume than one year. Right. A lot of people have had phenomenal single seasons, um, and that's great, but that does not put you in that elite status as a top 100 player. Okay. And they left Fitzpatrick off. That's what I wanted to talk about. So we had, uh, so they had TJ, Bud Dupree, Juju, and then who was the fourth one? Hayward? Craig Hayward? Yeah, Craig, yeah, Craig, yeah, I mean, not, not Craig, Craig Hayward. Uh, Cam Hayward. That shows my age. <laughs> yeah, yeah Cam exactly. Hayward. Cam Hayward. So, you know, I get Cam Hayward, they got that one right. I think he definitely deserves to be there. Um, but yeah. they left Minka Fitzpatrick off this list. And it caused a lot of wailing and grinding of teeth among Steeler fans, but even among some national pundits. They're like, how can you leave Minka Fitzpatrick off that list? So, Duty, I'm going to go to you first. Like, How in the hell do you leave somebody? I mean, and look, if you're looking at a larger book of, of performance, I, I think that strengthens his argument. Even when he played for the Dolphins, how do you leave him off that list? It's it, they just messed up. Like he, it's just a very poor list. You how you put Bud Dupree or Juju Smith-Schuster on there after their years? Last, Juju's last year and Bud Dupree's only had one year, and you put him on the list and you don't include Fitzpatrick. I as soon as I looked at that and didn't see Fitzpatrick, I quit reading the article. It's a it was a horribly written piece. He's wrong. Right. There's nobody, and I mean nobody, outside of Pittsburgh even, that you could argue with that to agree that leaving Fitzpatrick off was the right thing to do. Nobody. Wayne? I don't think he has a national name yet. He came from the Dolphin franchise that is still focused on their unbeaten season in 1973. Um, and I think the same reason why Bud Dupree shouldn't be on is why they came – kept Minka Fitzpatrick off. He had a phenomenal year with the Steelers this year. One year, his year with the Dolphins, um, you know, no one watches the Dolphins or pays much attention to him now. It just shows how subjective these lists are. Um, and, and they're influenced by uh, the hot teams like the Kansas City Chiefs for one year. They're influenced by the teams that, um, that have more um, – publicity and um you know it's just something for people to argue about hey we're talking about it right so yeah exactly yeah but we yeah. shouldn't be <laughs> well yeah there, there's even like, only because there's nothing else to talk about well and 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 this is i well duty you weren't here last week but you probably heard my rant about that this is what a lot of national sports talk show hosts are doing. And this past week, it was Colin Cowherd. And I know you love him. I do. Uh, but but the, the thing is, is that, you know, it, they know that, like, you go after Ben Roethlisberger and then he goes after the Steeler franchise in general. They're going to get a rise. Like, where would you, where's the low-hanging fruit? Where you're going to get people on social media, media talking about you? You go yeah, after I, a team like that. the Steelers. Um, yeah. I'm a Cowboy fan. You right. could say that uh, Emmett Smith farted in the drugstore, and there are going to be a thousand retweets. Right. Sure. That's what they're doing. Right. Exactly. Got a house fire right down the street here. Apparently. You can oh, hear is that? there all kinds of? <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, I don't hear the yeah, sounds. I, I thought the art, I thought it was a garbage article, but again, these guys all have jobs to write about sports and there's nothing going on. Just like we struggle with nothing going on to find topics. So do they. So some, one of his bosses says, write this piece. Right. Right. And it was just to leave Minka Fitzpatrick and like the immediate impact that Fitzpatrick had on that defense. Like, and, and he even acknowledged this year he's looking to be better because he's going to have a year of that defense, not even a year, under his belt where he's going to, you know, and, and, and he's playing with these guys. And that's why we talked about the, the Steelers having a, you know, a, a strong defense. Um, but anyway, you know, it, I think it's a crime that he wasn't on there. And, and look, if he uses it for motivation, good for him. And good for the Steelers. You know, that's only going to make that defense better. Um, last but not least, and I have a little bit of fun here to wrap up Basement Sports Podcast. But um, the history of Steeler draft bus. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> um, so, every, I think every team has they several do. draft busts. As a Cowboys fan, don't remember, we took Taco Tarleton recently. And then Bill Parcells took Bobby Carpenter as the number one pick for the Dallas Cowboys, not overall, but their first rounder, and he didn't even start at Ohio State. <laughs> so every team has its share of busts. Wayne, who is your most memorable Steelers bust? Greg, this list is so long. <laughs> yeah. And it's a history, it's a history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. If you look at their draft from with Chuck Knoll from 1969 to about 1980, they drafted tremendously. The downfall of the Steelers in the second phase of his career was a direct result of their drafting and mainly the number one. It's hard. I mean, I just off the top of my head, Huey Richardson. Jermaine Stevens, oh. who might be my worst pick. Yeah. John Reemstra, Troy Edwards, Greg Hawthorne, Tim Worley, Walter Abercrombie, Daryl Sims, Artie Burns, Tom Rickett, Ziggy Hood. All first round picks. Yeah. That's what and, and I think the worst pick ever for the Steelers, and God rest his soul was Gabe Rivera. Yeah. No fault of his, but they passed Dan Marino yeah. to draft Gabe Rivera. That set that franchise back for 15 years, not drafting Dan Marino. I think... Well, it, they did grab. Don't forget Mark Malone. True. He was That's the number another, one pick as well. Yeah, what a horrible he, pick that was. He played, um, for a, he played for a few years. The guys I went down... Barely saw the field. Well, Greg Hawthorne played. He played. Didn't he? A little bit. Not much. <laughs> I got a couple. You mentioned yep. Artie Burns at cornerback. They've missed on cornerback a lot. Same as Golson. Ricardo Kolkla. Oh, Ricardo Kolkla. Yeah. 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 He was a... yeah, I kept it the first. I kept it the first round pick, but you're right. Him. Um. Who was the guy from the Colorado that the cornerback that was a bust um, years ago? He was a bust. Lyman Swede was another bust, but he was I have him around. down as my wide receiver bust. Yeah, but the ones I listed were first first round, round picks. I think yep. I think Ricardo Coakley was the second round pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those were all first rounders. You talk about cornerbacks. I mentioned Senquez Golson from Ole Miss. <clears throat> He couldn't stay healthy. I mean, his first, yeah. I, the only time he ever saw the field was at training camp. And then he ended up getting hurt. You know, so. He, they also drafted, who was that? Ta was it Mike Adams, that tackle? Yeah, from Ohio, from Ohio State. State. Yeah. 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 Big, big guy. He, he was out of the league in a year. Um, don't forget, Lima Sweet, I have written down. But they also took two receivers. Yeah. Dre Archer and Troy Edwards. How, how are they doing right now? <laughs> Well, Dre Archer just—he just quit. He just quit. Yeah, yeah. And what? Who is the running back? I don't know his first name. Was it Worley? Tim Worley. 
Tim Tim Warren. Warren. He was another one out of Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And that, he was, I think he was picked in the first round too. He I think was, he was yeah. like a he number seven. Person. He was a number seven player taken. Yeah. There were some bad, like, I remember Huey Richardson and just how horrible he was. But then I, I'll never forget Jermaine Stevens. I know. I remember, do you remember the video and the photographs of him trying to run at training camp? Yeah. He yeah. just quit, like. He yeah. he was he couldn't pass the basic physical fitness test. He couldn't pass no. the running test. And for linemen, right. yeah. it, was, it wasn't hard. No, terrible. He wasn't even from a, a power five school. The list that I ran down, 12 of them, that's 12 years of failure, <laughs> basically in a row. Yeah. How yeah. about, do you remember you Shamarco Thomas, the safety? Shamarco Thomas, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but oh, and let's not for, let's not forget. Uh, we I don't even know if we talked about all the linebackers yet. What about Jarvis Jones and Bruce Davis? There you, Jarvis Two Jones. linebackers that were going to bring it back, baby. They were going to bring back the Jack Ham, Jarvis Jones and Bruce Davis. Yikes! Jar- Jarvis and Jones. Some of the good ones. Go ahead. Some of the good ones didn't didn't last. Kendrell Bell was all world for what one year? Yeah, exactly. I I, I just I remember when they drafted Jarvis Jones, and they brought up on the they brought up on the the draft. It's like he's a good pick, but he's got spinal stenosis. And I'm like, what in God's name are you doing? <laughs> well, he passed his physical, and I'm like. I don't give a shit. It's a degenerative disorder. <laughs> like he's not going to get better. Like it, it's just going to get. He's he went what what one year after the Steelers cut him loose. He went one year to the Cardinals, and I don't even think he made the team. Well, even if he did, he didn't make it past that year anyway. No, no. So. Anyway. It just yeah, the Steelers have quite a history. But, duty to your point, all teams have somewhat of a history of, of bombing on some you know, on some draft busts. Although you know, we even guys like me, draft nerds, we always try to figure out ones that we are sure fire. We we miss every year. I tell you, the guy that I still think I missed big time on was uh, Barr out of UCLA a couple years ago. Yeah, is it, is it Greg, you know my linebacker now? role. You know it. Yeah. A, there's two rules. You do not draft him if he's in Rutgers, and you do not draft a linebacker if he has less than 100 tackles. Right. Period. That's my linebacker role. And he he had like apparently UCLA played him like a Palomalo type, where he was a linebacker one play, a safety, he rushed a, a rushing end on one play, and I didn't think he had a place in the NFL. I didn't think he had a position and. I busted big time on him because he's a good player. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know what? You strike out sometimes, duty. We'll we'll Everybody forgive you. For, we'll forgive you for that one. Everybody <laughs> misses, man. I don't know to that degree though. They're back drafting a lot better. Um, but that stretch of those twelve names all came about in a, in a very short time period. You can't miss on that many number one consistent. Well, you know what? I'd love to have a podcast, maybe even have a guest on to talk about uh, Bill Nunn uh, when he yeah. was with the Steelers. First yeah. of all, I find it an absolute crime that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. I agree. I find it an absolute totally crime that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I would love to get somebody on the show to join us, you know, like a Steeler historian to talk about Bill Nunn and the impact that he had on the on the team in the dynasty of the seventies, because if it wasn't for him, like even Mel Blunt, I think there's a recent quote from Mel Blunt. He's like, there is not a Steeler dynasty without Bill Nunn. Like just bottom line. And he talk about outside the box thinking. And I want the other night, I watched a football life the other night about mean Joe green and what he, what Bill Nunn was able to do in drafting some of these guys from these small schools and these historically, historically black colleges 
It was just unbelievable. And you, that, you that, hit it right in the head. His talent was finding guys from, you know, Mississippi Valley State. Yeah. And San Jose. I mean, stuff that back then they didn't look at you unless you weren't for power five conferences. They didn't have the yep. tape. They didn't have all right. the video, but he, he did a really nice job of finding oh. quality, small school players. Incredible. He was a game changer beyond the Steelers because a lot of those players that were in those predominantly, well, I forget what the, the term for those colleges are, but predominantly African-American because they couldn't play in the Southeast conference. Right. They couldn't play at Alabama or Georgia or Auburn. These yep. were excellent football players that he recognized simply weren't given the opportunity. Not only did he transform the Steelers with opening them up, up to those schools, but the entire NFL saw his success. Some of the players, the chiefs got the curly calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just players like that, that none, he was almost like a, uh, branch Ricky type yeah. influence. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, when branch Ricky opened up baseball with Jackie Robinson, Bill Nunn opened up those, that pipeline of these great athletes that were denied the opportunity to go to these power five schools. Hey, where I did totally Mel- agree? He should be in a hall. Of I agree. Where did Mel Brent, where did Mel Blunt go to college? Anybody uh, remember? Yeah, it was called Southern University. That's yep, what I thought. Yep. Another small school. Look at that guy. He still might be. The he looks best like ever. he looks like he could still play. Yeah, he might <laughs> yeah, still oh, be yeah. the best ever at his position. Well, yep. w- watching some of that old film the other night on NFL Network of of Joe Green when he was at North Texas, like, <laughs> I mean, he was certainly a man among boys when he played there. He just destroyed guys across from him but then he continued that when he got to the nfl like you you see some of his tape when he when he first came into the league they, he was unblockable even when they tried to double team him but that that we could and we could talk another podcast about how insanely talented that defensive line was i still find it a crime that lc greenwood isn't in the hall of fame i think greenwood yeah. deserves to be in the hall of fame but I, I think there were just there were so many players on those Steeler teams that deserve it. Like they you know, they just didn't there were some guys that got that that fell out that aren't gonna get the opportunity. Well, Greg, you're too young to remember this, but when uh they drafted Joe Green, the headline in the post gazette was Joe Who. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, your your point is well taken because if you look at these teams a lot of people hit on their first three round draft picks, but when you get to where he was picking these kids from small schools that end up hall of famers, uh, Jimmy Johnson did the same thing when he was trying to build that Cowboys franchise with Larry Allen, you know, this big guy, uh, yeah. Leon mm-hmm. Lett. These are guys that nobody else knew right. or at least weren't going to pick. I think I'm looking at it here. Larry Allen, I didn't remember. He went to Sonoma state. Sonoma State, that huge monster of a man. Uh, it's just, it, it amazes me. 6'3, 325. He's the best pulling lineman that has ever lived. Well, look at, I mean, look at modern day. Look where the Steelers got Javon Hargrave. Well, he went to South Carolina State, was it? He, you yeah. know, it was a small school. But even when they, dra- like, and this goes to like the reach now with the NFL and like social media and, everybody's a scout and everybody's a, a, a reporter. They, you know, the people on ESPN, when the Steelers drafted Hargrave raved about him, they said, this could be the steal of this draft because they knew how good he was, but teams were afraid to pull the trigger on him because of the talent he was playing against. Well, you know what? Yep. If you have a good scout, they can flesh that out. They can figure that out. Sutton Smith. Yeah. He played against subpar, subpar uh, competition. He stood out, but when he came to league, he sucked. Like he couldn't, he didn't have the talent. But Javon Hargrave, yeah, he could get it done. So, hey guys, it's been an hour, again. Yeah. So, um, hey everybody, check us out as always on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We are all there. 
You can reach out to us at basementsportspodcast at gmail.com. Basementsportspodcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Give us a like. Tell us what you think. If you think we suck, go ahead and tell us. It's fine. We got thick skin. We're the only one. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we can take it. Believe me. We do this for fun. We have fun. significant others that tell us that every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but hey, uh, you know, enjoy the podcast. Hopefully, Scott will be able to join us again next week. And uh, if you've got an idea, if you want to come on the show, if you're uh, somebody out there that's got some uh, some experience or background or one of the one of the legions of uh, of listeners that we have, you got a suggestion for somebody to have on the show? Please let us know. We'd love to have them. Wayne, Duty, thanks again so much for coming on tonight, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys. All right, thanks, Greg. Good night.